Today we're studying healing lessons, part three. Specifically, we'll be studying the healing of the blind man of Beth Seda. The blind man of Beth Seda. Let us pray. Father, your word conceived in my human spirit, informed by my tongue and spoken out of my mouth is creative ability that is working for me now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. In order to set the stage for what we'll be looking at over in Mark chapter 8, I want you to begin with me in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, there's something you need to see here that will give us some insight into what we read in Mark chapter 8. Go with me to Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 11, and let's begin reading at verse 20, and we'll read from verses 20 through 23. Matthew chapter 11 and verses 20 through 23, and it reads as follows. Then began he, Jesus, to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Jesus pronounced judgment upon these cities here that you're going to see, three of them in particular. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. That's two cities, right? For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, as in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Now, notice, Jesus pronounced judgment on these three cities. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Why did Jesus pronounce judgment upon these three cities? Well, these cities were full of unbelief. They were full of unbelief. They, were, they lacked receptivity to the gospel. They lacked repentance. And they were very resistant to the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel in these cities, and they were very uh, resistant, lacked receptivity, rebellious, full of unbelief, and Jesus said, woe unto these three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And that's going to be important when we begin reading over here in Mark chapter 8. Now go with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And we're studying the healing of this blind man of Bethsaida. Mark chapter 8. And we're going to read these verses, and then we'll come back and look at them individually. Mark chapter 8, and let's begin reading at verse 22. And we'll read up into verse 26. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And he, Jesus, come to Bethsaida. Whoa, stop there. Notice, Bethsaida, that's one of the cities that Jesus pronounced judgment upon a little earlier when we read it from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. He pronounced judgment on Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Bethsaida is one of those three cities, right? All right, now look at what happens here. And he, Jesus, come to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him. They could be friends or some folks that would want to intercede in behalf of this blind man. They bring a blind man unto him 
and besought him to touch this blind man. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town of Bethsaida. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. So now go back to verse 22 and let's look at each of these verses individually. He come to Bethsaida. This is one of those towns that he pronounced judgment upon and said, woe unto Bethsaida, Chorazin and Capernaum. And he come to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. So Jesus touches the man in that town, but he doesn't administer healing to this man in that town. Why not? There's a reason for it. This town was full of unbelief. This town was resistant to the gospel. This town was lacking in receptivity to the gospel. In fact, let me show you something. Go to uh, Mark chapter seven, just back up one chapter and let's look at verse 31 mark chapter 7 and verse 31 the previous chapter mark chapter 7 and look at verse 31 and again departing from the coast of tyre and sidon he jesus came into the sea of galilee through the midst of the coast of the capitalists and they bring unto him one that was deaf now here's a deaf man and had an impediment in his speech and they this is a different group of they, but nevertheless, these are people that are interceding or standing in the gap for their friend or someone that they knew that needed healing. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Again, people are wanting Jesus to lay his hands upon them. Why? Because hands become a point of contact for the transmission of God's power. Hands become a point of contact for impartation and the transmission of the healing power of God. Praise God. And uh, verse 33, and he took him aside from the multitude. Now, wait a minute. Stop. Let's take a look at that. He took him aside from the multitude. So often you'll see Jesus separating people from unbelief, separating them from any lack of resistance or unbelief or rebellion or any sense of rejection of the gospel. He'll separate them or the person that, that needs to be healed from that group or from that person so that he can minister to them and, and have an atmosphere of faith so that it would not be hindered by unbelief. Praise God. So Jesus would often separate one. So in Mark chapter 8, he separated the man from the town. Here in Mark chapter 7, uh, Jesus separates this man from the multitude. Are you seeing a pattern here? All right, let's look at it. He took him aside from the multitude, Mark seven thirty three, and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Ephatha, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, the much more, a great deal, they published it. Now, go to Mark chapter 6. Let's look at another instance where, where we see a resistance to the gospel. Mark chapter 6. And then you'll see a pattern here that gives us insight into Mark chapter 8, which is where we're studying. Mark chapter 6, and let's look at verses 1 through 6. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And he came out from thence, Jesus that is, and came into his own country. And his disciples followed him. 
And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now, they're not even receptive of the man of God because he's from uh, the town. They know him. They're familiar with him. And they're lacking receptivity here. Is not this the carpenter, verse 3, the son of Mary and the brother of Joseph, James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Offense will always hinder the flow of God's power. Remember that. Offense will always hinder the anointing. Satan will always use at least six different weapons to hinder you from receiving from God. Affliction persecution, cares of this world, lust of other things, deceitfulness of riches, and offense. And you'll find this outlined in the parable of the sower, Mark chapter 4. He will always use at least six weapons uh, to hinder the flow of God's power from uh, operating in your life. Offense is one of those things that he use. Offense. Offense will hinder the flow of the anointing of God in one's life. All right? They were offended at him, but Jesus said unto them, in verse 4, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and amongst his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there. Wait a minute. Did that say could? It did, didn't it? He could there. Not he would there. He could there. Not that he wouldn't. He couldn't. He could there do no mighty work, except that he lays his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went around about the villages teaching. Look at that. Isn't that interesting? Again, we see that unbelief hinders the flow of the power of God. Unbelief will hinder the flow of the power of God. And so now let's look at one additional instance found in Mark chapter 5. And uh, in this particular instance, we have Jesus visiting Jairus' house. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue and Jesus is going to go to Jairus' house to minister to his daughter. Jairus had a daughter that was sick unto death. She eventually died. And when Jesus arrived at this man's house, there were a group of people here that were crying and wailing and so forth. And uh, they were full of unbelief. And Jesus had to put them out of the house before he administered healing to the daughter. Let's take a look at it. Look at uh, uh, verse 37. Jesus is heading to Jairus' house, and he's taking Peter, James, and John with him to the house. Verse 37, he suffered no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Mark chapter 5, we're looking at. Chapter 5, verse 37, 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he sees the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was coming, he said unto them, Why do you make this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he put them out of the house. He put the unbelief out of the house. He's looking to protect the atmosphere. He's looking to create an atmosphere of faith for healing, you see. All right? He put them all out, and he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto you, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve. 
and they were astonished with great astonishment. So we see a pattern here. Now let's go back to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And uh, let's go back to verse 22. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. And let's uh, completely uh, go through this line upon line. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. And he, Jesus, come to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. That's a touch. Jesus touched the blind man in the town, but he doesn't minister to the man in the town. Why not? Because this town is full of unbelief. They're resistant to the gospel. They're lacking in receptivity. They're rebellious, lacking repentance. And Jesus did not want to hinder the flow of the healing anointing. He wanted to create an atmosphere of faith for healing. And so there are going to be times when you administer healing to someone and you're going to need to uh, uh, bring them into a place of faith for healing. You may need to, you know, change rooms. Change environments. Environment is important when administering the healing power of God to an individual. Environment is important. You may need to bring them to your house. You may need to bring them to the church. You may need to uh, get them somewhere else where you can administer the power of God to them and teach and preach the word of God to them so that they can have faith to receive. You want, you're looking to create a healing atmosphere, a healing atmosphere. And you can't do that in an environment where is full of unbelief. And uh, and what they would need to do also is not uh, not go back to the same things that they used to hear. Perhaps they were listening to the wrong music. Perhaps they were listening to the wrong programming or radio programming or watching the wrong television shows. Perhaps they were hanging out with the wrong people that could create an atmosphere of unbelief and fear and anxiety about the future concerning their health. Well, we're looking to create an atmosphere of faith minister to them, but we don't need them going back to that environment and uh, and losing the manifestation of healing that they received when they were with you. You see, environment is important when administering the healing power of God. Glory to God. If you're going to maintain and retain your healing, environment is important. Say that with me. Environment is important. You want to create an atmosphere of faith for healing. And that's what we're doing in these sessions that we're having together creating an atmosphere of faith for healing. Praise God. Now notice here. So he comes to Bethsaida. They bring a blind man into him and besought him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand. That's a touch. Yet he led the man out of the town. He's looking to separate this man from the unbelief. This was one of the cities that he had pronounced judgment upon. Bethsaida, Chorazin, and Capernaum. We looked at that earlier. All right. And so he leads him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes outside of the town. You see, that may be one of the reasons he let him outside of the town because those folks would not have understood it. They may have laughed at him. They may have mocked him and hindered the flow of what God would have wanted to do through Jesus in this man's life. So he took him out of the town and when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw anything. He asked him if he saw anything and he looked up and said, I see. Now, right there, let's stop right there. He said, I see. That's enough to rejoice on right there. I see. The man can now see. He doesn't see clearly, but he sees. That's something to rejoice on. I see. I see. And uh, he goes on to say, I see men as trees walking. So this tells me that the man uh, had sight before. Otherwise, how would he know what a tree looks like? You see, I see 
Man, there's trees walking. I see, but I don't see clearly. I do see, but I don't see clearly. And uh, after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. So now Jesus lays hands upon him again. But this is not for the same thing. The first time he laid hands on this man, he's laying hands on this man so that the man could receive his sight. The man received his sight, restored. And uh, he says, I see. I see men as trees. So the man could see. But the second time he lays hands on the man, he's laying hands on the man for something different. There's been times that I've ministered to people that were blind, and many, hundreds of people that were blind. And uh, for some, uh, they could not see clearly. For others, they could not see at all. Two different situations. Some could not see at all. Some could not see clearly. Two different situations. In this instance, Jesus is ministering to this man regarding two different situations. He is not praying for the man uh, twice for the same thing. He's praying for two different situations. One, he could not see. Now the man can see, but he sees men as trees. Jesus ministers to him a second time, but he's ministering to him for something different. And uh, there's Jesus, when he's ministering to this man, he's ministering in faith. And he's releasing this anointing. Glory to God. He's releasing this anointing. Uh, and, and I would say that he's releasing this anointing in a perfect way. But the man is not, the man is, is not fully receiving of this anointing. He received in part and his sight was restored. But he saw men as trees. But then Jesus lays hands on them again. He says, okay, I'm going to release my faith and release this anointing in you again. And the second time, the man received completely what Jesus was releasing. He received completely what Jesus was releasing, and his sight was restored, and he saw things clearly in the second instance when Jesus laid hands on this man. Now, why did the man lack uh, uh, full receptivity on the first uh, impartation, on the first laying on of hands? Why did the man uh, receive partially? Because the man had been in a town that was immersed with unbelief. Unbelief. They lacked receptivity. They were full of unbelief. They were resistant. They were rejecting Jesus and the gospel. And, uh, and so this was partly the reason why this man was uh, lacking in receptivity when Jesus ministered to him the first time. All right, so now he ministers to this man. And he says, I see every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house to his house saying, neither go into the town. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. He sent him to his house and says, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. This tells me that the man's house was not in the town. The man's house was not in this town because Jesus says, go to your house and don't go to the town. So the man's house must've been somewhere outside of that town. So the man was hanging out in a town where he did not live. He's hanging out in a place where they're full of unbelief, where they're resistant to the gospel, where they're rejecting the gospel. He's hanging out in this town where they are rebellious, where Jesus had pronounced judgment upon. He's hanging out in that town. And uh, if he's hanging out in that town, this may be uh, where he lost his sight in that town. And Jesus says, go to your house and don't go back to the town. Don't go back to the town. And so here's what you can uh, gather from that is that once you receive manifestation of healing 
in your physical body, you don't want to be hanging out in the place where uh, they were teaching unbelief, talking unbelief. You know, you don't want to hang out with the same television programs, radio programs, whatever uh, would be uh, feeding unbelief into your heart. You want to feed yourself with faith. You want to feed on the healing word of God. You've been healed. You've experienced a manifestation of the healing power of God. You want to feed on healing words. You want to feed on things like 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You want to feed on things like 3 John 1.2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. You want to feed on things like Psalm 103. I bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives you of all of your iniquities and heal you of all of your diseases. You want to feed on things like Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear into my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. You want to feed on things like Matthew 8, 16 and 17, himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. You want to feed on things like Matthew 4, 23 and Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease amongst the people. You want to feed on things like Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. You want to feed on the healing word. You don't want to hear things like God will make you sick to teach you something. No, God is not the author of sickness and disease. God is the author of healing, glory to God. He wants you healed. He wants you well. He wants you prosperous. He wants you to experience his best. He wants you to experience the blessing. Praise God. God wants you well. It is his desire that you walk in healing and health. Healing and health. Say it with me. It is God's desire that I walk in healing and health healing and health. He not only wants you healed, he wants you walking in divine health. Praise God. Now, here's what you need to understand, and we need to make sure that we are clear where this is concerned. If you're born again, you are a child of God, if you're born again. And God the Father, God the Son, dwells on the inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You are born again, and you're not having to look on the outside for healing. The healing power of God is resident on the inside of you. Jesus is resident on the inside of you. He's the healer. Glory to God. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is resident on the inside of you. You are the healed. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed and the enemy is looking to take your health away from you. You are the healed. Say that with me. I am the healed. Say it again. I am the healed. Say it again. I am the healed. Now you might say, well, Pastor Wilkes, uh, why do you have me confess these things with you over and over again? Why? Because confession will lead to possession. You need to acknowledge that you are the healed. You need to confess it. You need to make those affirmations that you are the healed. And you're building, you're building this within your consciousness. You're building within your heart the capacity to believe God for healing as you continue to make those affirmations with your own mouth. Praise God. He told this man not to go back into the town. I don't want you going back into that town. Go to your own house and, not, and don't hang out in that town. Don't hang out where unbelief is. Don't hang out where unbelief is. Unbelief is not good. You don't want to hang out with unbelief. You want to hang out with faith. 
You want faith buddies. You want people that will encourage you in the word and tell you what God has said. Glory to God. If you don't have faith buddies, you don't have an accountability partner, certainly you can meditate on some of those scriptures, which I just mentioned to you and quoted to you as we were fellowshipping here today. Meditate on the healing word. Feed yourself with the healing word. Allow yourself to be immersed in the healing word. Glory to God. Build the capacity to believe God for healing within your heart and speak it and say it. Think about it. Glory to God. See yourself walking. See yourself jumping. See yourself running. See yourself whole. See yourself healed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And separate yourself from unbelief. Now, listen, we're not talking about being nasty to people. You want to walk in love with people. Certainly you do. But you just need to make sure that you immerse yourself in an atmosphere that will enable you to walk in divine health. Praise God. That's God's will for your life. That's what you want to do. Praise God. I believe you've been empowered, glory to God. And uh, you're going to walk in divine health. Say it with me. I am going to walk in divine health. I am healed and I'm going to walk in divine health. Glory to God. Here's what you need to know now. Within the Gospels, Jesus is ministering to people that are not born again. They're not born again. He had not yet gone to the cross and made provision for them to be born again. And uh, when Jesus went to the cross, he made provision for sin to be dealt with. Glory to God. Healing was made available for you and I. Provision was made available for you and I at the cross. Jesus sent back his uh, spirit, glory to God, which now dwells within you and I. You and I are saved. We are born again. We're children of God. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. You and I are healed. You and I are the righteousness of God. You and I are rich in God. In Christ Jesus, glory to God. That's all yours right now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed. And don't let the enemy take it away from you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's much that we can glean from these lessons that we're looking at. Much that we can glean from them. And so, although you're on the finished side of the cross, don't despise these lessons. These lessons, you can learn so much from them. We can glean so much from them. You can learn about how to... Exercise your faith for healing and health. Amen. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. I'm Evangelist and Pastor Derek E. Wilkes on behalf of the Congregation of Churches here at the Gospel Publishing. Same to you. Bye.